0: All right, welcome to Political Ezek podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. Hey, Todd. Hey, Corey. The state of Utah. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about a, a sports-related story. By now, we've all heard at least something about an incident at BYU involving an African-American uh, Duke University volleyball player and allegations of racism. The Duke player, her name is Rachel Richardson, alleges that her and her teammates were Targeted and racially heckled by BYU fans throughout the entirety of a recent volleyball match. She said that racial slurs and comments grew into threats that caused her and the other Duke players to feel safe over the course of the game of the match. Uh, according to Richardson, uh, the player, she said the officials and BYU coaching staff were made aware of the incident during the game but failed to take the necessary steps to stop the unacceptable behavior and create a safe environment. That's her quote. Uh, BYU did send uh, four ushers and a police officer over to that end of the court to try to identify and remove the perpetrator or perpetrators. But uh, we'll get back to that in, in just a sec. The world learned about this incident last, uh, because, last week because Richardson's godmother, uh, who's also a political candidate, her name's Lisa Pamplin. She tweeted out the allegations She said that Richardson was threatened by a white male and called the N-word every time she served. So shortly afterwards, BYU, the school, issued a statement, as did the athletic director Tom Homo and BYU uh, women's volleyball coach Heather Olmstead. All all these statements condemned racism and in support of Rachel Richardson in her allegations. So from there, this story went national. ESPN interviewed Richardson, the New York Times, NPR, CNN, and a myriad other media outlets picked it up. It's a, it's a story that I've been obsessed with, and I know a lot of people have because I got a lot of texts about it too. But all of the coverage has been in support of Richardson and very critical of BYU, very critical of the fans and the school's response. Governor Spencer Cox also joined the fray. He called out what he labeled, quote, racist a-holes, unquote, in the crowd. LeBron James and other celebrities also piled on any number of condemnations and accusations of longstanding racism of BYU students, Mormons, Utahns coming from (laughs) tons of uh, numerous talking heads on ESPN and and, and national media, media outlets. So, okay. Fast forward to now. Uh, The ushers we mentioned and the police called onto the scene actually did not hear any racial slurs or threats and come to find out, None of the other Duke players heard anything either. So the match was recorded by BYU TV. And of course, there's also surveillance footage of the building. And after hours of review of of the video, no evidence has been found to corroborate the allegations. After the game, uh, Duke players identified a man, not a BYU student, who they said was the culprit spewing the racial slurs. BYU immediately banned this person from ever attending another BYU game. I think another, any other BYU game of any sport. After reviewing the video though, there's no evidence that this person used a racial slur. In fact, he wasn't in his seat during one of the serves, uh, that she claimed that, that where this happened and the other time he was on his phone. So it doesn't seem like he was, a, he had anything to do with this. One of the police officers has since noted that this person we're talking about who was banned, he actually may have autism as well. So, um, So that's another interesting factor. Okay, so here we are today. Uh, A prominent school, University of South Carolina women's basketball team has canceled games with BYU's women's basketball team. Female athletes at dozens of universities are wearing black uh, this week in support of Rachel Richardson. Condemnation of BYU. Uh, BYU and the student body continues to be criticized. Now, I don't know whether Ms. Richardson heard a racial slur directed at her. I hope she didn't but maybe she did, or maybe she thought she heard something, and once she told her godmother and her father, uh, these folks certainly took, the, took every advantage to tweet out, uh, and at, at best, an exaggerated interpretation of the story that went national. I am not calling her, Ms. Richardson, not calling her a liar. I am saying that the claim that the slurs continued all game And became more intense as the match went on really does not comport with the evidence so literally no one not a fan not a teammate not the african-american byu athletes who were at the game in the vicinity and there's no indication on any video that can verify her account todd before you go i want to state categorically that racism should not be tolerated if any fan or student behaved in that way that person should be ejected immediately i would expect every one around him or her to video it and to just put it on Twitter and put it on Facebook for the whole world to see. And we need to root it out. Um, but if no one in the crowd saw or heard anything of the sort, then I don't know what duty is supposed to be created by other fans who are in the vicinity, who are being, you know, who are being tarred and feathered as like race um, abettors. I went to BYU 20 years ago. I never heard anything approaching a racial slur, anything of the kind. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. doesn't mean we don't need to stay vigilant. And it definitely doesn't mean we should dismiss the experiences of African-American students and athletes. I know bad things do happen. We need to take it seriously. We need to, and and I, I think Tom Homo did. I think the school did. I, I do think the problem comes when quick condemnations and, and harsh accusations are made and never qualified. And it's kind of tough when the evidence doesn't match the narrative. Yet the story has already gone national and viral, and it's never corrected. And it's tough when an entire class of people are accused of heinous crimes. Being called, saying that you are using the N-word and calling uh, an African-American the N-word, that's pretty bad. That's heinous. That's almost the worst thing you can do in our society right now, right? Um, But yet, when when the evidence points in another direction, uh, it puts us in a tough situation. But, Todd, what do you think?
1: well you know we intentionally didn't cover this last week because it was the story was only a day and a half old and my take last week would have been very different than my take today in fact i retweeted governor cox's tweet from last sunday morning um and added my own two bits that i was disappointed that the fans sitting around this person didn't speak up and and take matters into their own hands um i wasn't there corey i don't know what happened i have since deleted that tweet and I own that I deleted it and why I deleted it. I think there's more questions and answers about this. Um, But I I will say this, um, the, the story that the godmother told um, and one thing you didn't mention is she has a history of dozens and dozens of tweets, basically racist tweets against white people uh, which, you know, plus she's running a political campaign and she's using this story as part of and using her, role in making this a national story as part of her political campaign right now, which I think ought to give people pause. But I will say this. I've been very impressed with this, the Duke student, Richardson. I don't believe that she was lying at the beginning. I re-listened to her interview with ESPN um, from last Tuesday twice today, and she was very careful what she said. She said that the that the heckling um, the heckling uh, escalated. That's what she told ESPN in the fourth game. Now, remember, in volleyball, you switch sides of the court. So they were only she was only serving in front of the student section, the rock section, which has now been eliminated at volleyball games, at least that close. Oh, during the second and the fourth games, during the first and the third games, she had been on the other side, away from the students. And so, when her godmother said every time she served that this you know racist r- racial language was was screamed. That clearly was an exaggeration. That clearly is not true. Um, if I had to guess, I would say I think that Ms. Richardson thought that she heard something, and maybe she did hear something. I I don't know. Uh, but after that, the 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 audio is pretty clear that the students were calling out the Duke players by name. And my I, my guess is after she felt like she had been attacked racially that every time her name was called she felt like that was somehow racial taunting i'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt because i don't think um that she just made this up now we all remember a year or two ago there was a fan at a colorado rockies game he was calling for the mascot other people thought that he was using a a racial slur and and it created a lot of uh controversy like this did and you know if you listen to the audio if you know the mascots, you know, name, you can kind of see that that's what they were doing. But the reason I thought that this might have happened, because it does fit the the, the narrative of several other uh, what I'll call uh, fake reports of of racism. The reason I thought it might have happened was A, BYU seemed to kind of have verified it through several of their statements. B, the Utah governor (laughs) seemed to have verified it. And I think he was relying on on BYU. But C, we have had a, a fan in the crowd at, at two jazz games and a fan at a Springville high school basketball game that were in fact using racial language. And they were called out by the crowd. And I was disappointed that the BYU crowd just sat there. But it, it, but now, now I wonder if, if, if that's accurate. In addition to everything else you said, there were 5,200 people there. My guess would be that 97.5% of them had cell phones and uh, if if this if this slur had been repeated every time she served then i would expect that somebody if not 25 people would have pulled out their cell phones and recorded it and so, and also BYU TV you mentioned them but they had three cameras on the crowd and on the game and they didn't pick up any of this i think it was only one police officer and three BYU officials that were down there during the fourth game listening Because uh, and this is important, when the Duke well the player Richardson reported it to the coach after the second game, and that they they moved the people in place next to the Duke bench and nobody else heard it. But they said we don't know who is saying it. We just know we can just hear the voice when this uh, man who may or may not be mentally um, challenged when he approached her outside of the Smithfield House they said, oh, that's the voice. And that's when they they banned him. Now, apparently the Duke players wear the same blue and white colors as the BYU players. And this man told the police that he thought he was approaching a BYU player, volleyball player, to tell her not to hit the ball into the net, which is really good advice for any volleyball player. You don't want to <laughs> hit that ball into the net. So, Corey, I don't know what happened. I want to give this Player, the benefit of the doubt. Maybe there was one person that w- did shout a racial epitaph, but I would have to think if it was shouted loud enough for a player to hear it on the court that somebody else would have heard it. And I just don't believe, having been a BYU student myself, and I still teach at BYU Law School, I just don't believe that if someone used that word in 2022 that everyone around them was going to be okay with that or not hear it or cover up for them. That's that's, a, that's a, a bridge too far for me.
0: I mean, that's a point that should be reiterated because I think the assumption is BYU is mostly white. Mormons are mostly white and sheltered and super conservative, blah, blah, blah. But the real truth of it is we know that at BYU, there are plenty of very liberal people. There are plenty of people, plenty of students who would actually love to confirm something like this
1: <laughs> yeah so i just don't believe for one second... you, you and my son i have a son there who is one of them who would love to uh, <laughs> confirm.
0: Right. so i don't believe for one second that something like this could go on and on and nobody would record it that just doesn't make a lot of sense no again not calling her a liar uh she may have heard it and if so we absolutely need to do something about it um i do think that it's very frustrating for an entire class of people to be to be cast as as evil and bad because because something may or may not have happened. And but let me uh, just
1: say I, I want to take a shot at ESPN. Uh I just watched the Manti Teo untold uh documentary on Netflix this weekend. ESPN did as much fact checking on this story as they did on Manti yeah. Te'o's fake girlfriend, <laughs> or even less fact checking. Number two, um all of the national media has mostly relied on richardson's godmother and father who were not at the game
0: yeah, and i think we all
1: know you know if you whisper something to somebody else and they whisper it we all know that the 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 the, the things you know that the what what can get you know mis-, mis misreported and exaggerated but i i want to also condemn like you condemn racism if this happened it's absolutely unacceptable but last thing i want to say there was a state the state re- legislator from south carolina On a show that i saw um she's also a candidate for georgia i'm sorry from georgia she's a candidate for georgia lieutenant governor she said it's a well-known fact that mormons don't believe that black people can go to heaven that that is ignorance it's uh religious prejudice and it, it, it makes me angry my son uh, one of my sons served a two year mission in Africa, because we do believe that black people can go to heaven. And so I just hate to see this story used to bring out all of these preconceived prejudices and biases against Mormons. And where it's not politically okay to attack Jews or Muslims, it is still in 2022, politically okay for the media and others to openly attack Mormons. And I, and I hope that that will change at some point, but I, I doubt it will in my lifetime.
0: It's a very sad but true fact. All right, let's leave it there. Todd, Utah Democrats in the Salt Lake Tribune are upset after Governor Cox nominated State Representative Joel Ferry to serve as director of the State Department of Natural Resources. Ferry has not yet been confirmed to the job, something that you'll get to help him do. But he hasn't also, he also hasn't resigned from the legislature. He, he has resigned.
1: He, he resigned last week. So he has resigned.
0: Oh, he did. Okay. But what's your so overview? He hasn't resigned as a feeling?
1: candidate. He's only resigned as an office holder.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So give us the overview of the situation.
1: Yeah. So um, the, the Utah constitution uh, talks about how members of the legislature can't be officers or trustees of the executive branch. And um, we don't know exactly what an officer or trustee of the executive branch is. But I will tell you that there is kind of an imaginary line. We have other members of the executive branch in the legislature. For instance, we usually have a school teacher or two or three. Um, uh, Norm Thurston is an executive in the Utah Department of Health, uh, Representative Norm Thurston, um, a, a highly compensated executive. He's a PhD. And when he, when he ran, they said, okay, well, we don't know exactly where this line is drawn, but we think that Norm is slightly below that line. Everyone knows that a cabinet level position that that representative Ferry has been appointed to that that's above the line. So you'd have to withdraw. The question is, is did he have to resign when he's temporarily in that position? Or should he does he have should he have waited until he's confirmed? And I I think that uh, that's a gray area. But now now he has resigned. So he's no longer in the legislature, and he is serving as the director of that department. But what the Democrats and, and where they where they've kind of lost it is they said to the lieutenant governor, you must remove him as a candidate because if he's elected and if he remains in the governor's cabinet, he's not qualified to serve. Well that's that's a really um, bad argument because um, no, a, nobody can predict the future. So you know if so there there are there are a couple qualifications to be a candidate for the legislature. You have to be over 25. Uh, you have to live in your district and you have to be alive, you know, and he meets those qualifications. And so we don't remove people from the ballot um, to say that if they are elected and if they don't do, and, and you know, that they, there's no way that they can serve. And so I think they've threatened a lawsuit. I think that any lawyer worth his weight and salt will tell them you don't have a lawsuit. So what's really going on here is uh, the Republicans are planning to have Ferry elected to this position that he's just resigned from and then resign a second time and then have the governor appoint another Republican. The Democrats want him to resign as a candidate now so that only a Democrat will be on the ballot and that a Democrat will get that seat. So what they want to do is uh, this is a heavily heavy Republican district. They want to take away the will of the people and make sure that a Democrat who could never get elected by his own merits gets in there. And so you know, I don't love what the Republicans are doing. I don't. Uh, I don't love what the Democrats are doing. But I do think that uh, the Republicans will get away with allowing um, Ferry to be elected separately. P- everyone in the district's going to know about this. Well, everyone should know about it. And then he'll resign again, and and someone will get appointed to replace him.
0: That's good. That's a great overview and, and helpful. I mean, to me, I, like this is totally a non-issue. I mean, if they're not, uh, he's not obligated under the rules to do it. If the trib editorial board thinks that there should be a rule, then go ahead and lobby for it. I mean, it's just yeah. sour grapes. That's like not the lot today. Yeah. So they want, uh, they want a Democrat to have a better shot and basically an easy road. Like they're it, it would that- be,
1: no, it'd be a hundred percent shot because the Democrat would be the only person on the ballot. If Joe Ferry resigns as a candidate, there would be one name on the ballot and that with one vote. That yeah, Democrat yeah. Elected.
0: <laughs> so I do want to say something about the Amy Winder Newton situation. And what I want to say is to the solid tribune, get a life. I mean, seriously. Are you telling me it's entirely novel thing to have a state employee who's a part-time local official? Like there's no state employees who serve on a city council?
1: And we should give some background. Amy Winder-Newton is a member of the Salt Lake uh, County Council. And she was, I think, just reelected again to that recently. Um, She's on her second term, I believe, maybe her third term. And she was just appointed as uh, a new director of the uh, Office of Families. I think it's a cabinet level position. And they're basically saying She should resign as a part time county council member if she's going to serve in the governor's cabinet. Now, this constitutional provision that I uh, I mentioned earlier only applies to members of the legislature. Okay. You know, the the Salt Lake County Council has made the decision that they want a part time county council. So most of the council members have a full time job. So I agree with you. I don't think there's a lot there. Uh, Amy's a friend of mine. She's a great person, I think. And I don't know if she's advocating for families. I don't know how that is a conflict with her, you know, being a Salt Lake County councilman.
0: When you're talking about part-time legislatures, everybody has a day job. Yeah. And, um, you know, she has, she has a night job that's, uh, I mean, you can be, you can work on the city council and work and, uh, and have a federal job, right? You just can't have, so I don't know. I think uh, Amy was going to do an amazing job. She's an excellent choice. I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do. Well,
1: and, and I want know. to give I want to give credit where credit's due. The Democrats do have a point. Joel Ferry should not be in the governor's cabinet and a legislator. So the question is, should he have waited until he was confirmed by the Senate or not? And I think that's a great area. Number two, Joel Ferry is not planning to resign from the governor's cabinet if he gets reelected. And so their point is, is because we know his intention, we should remove him from the ballot. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that they don't have a point. I'm just saying that's not the law because he could get reelected. And in December, say, you know what, this new job, I don't like it. I'm going to resign yeah, from the job and I'll stay in the legislature. And that is his right as an American
0: citizen. Yeah, of course. And I don't think any of that really applies to Amy.
1: In- no, <laughs> none of that applies to Amy. So.
0: So this week, President Biden gave an angry and sinister speech about how, quote, MAGA Republicans are a threat to democracy. He did qualify the accusations by saying not all Republicans are what he calls MAGA Republicans. But, of course, he went on to cast anyone who doesn't support his agenda as, as MAGA Republicans. So, well, it's um, worse than that.
1: He went on to say anyone who, who believes who is pro-life is MAGA Yeah,
0: Republican. pro-life. Yeah. Yeah. So he gave this speech with a dark red and black backdrop that i hope everyone has seen so far reminiscent of germany circa 1938 um i mean his clear intent was to smear anyone who disagrees with him and he called them fascist white supremacists them being basically us i assume he meant you know you and i too i think it's ugly cynical this is a guy who built himself as a uniter who who had come to calm the waters after president trump but instead Is labeling half the country as basically evil. Um, Todd, what do you think of the speech?
1: Well, um, the speech was very divisive. Um, We've never in the history of our country, we've never had a president come out and basically uh, attack half of the citizens of the country, the voting citizens and say that they're a threat to democracy. So I think it's historically bad in that sense. With respect to the lighting, I've had some fun with that on Twitter. But if you look at um, the the goal was to he he gave a speech in Pennsylvania, which is uh, the the battleground state right now for the U.S. Senate. Um, they 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 and by the way, this was not a campaign speech because um, when you're president and you give a campaign speech, then the party pays for the speech; they pay for everything. This was a presidential speech for so this was taxpayer funded. Uh, it was a taxpayer funded campaign speech and we've had other presidents who have maybe danced up to that line and maybe crossed over it but biden just completely obliterated this line he mentioned you know republicans and maga like 32 times he mentioned trump by name twice um you know he he didn't mention china he didn't mention the deficit i mean this was very much a campaign speech but let me just say the idea from the democrats was to bathe the independence hall in red white and blue and if you see uh, a, 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 a camera shot from an angle it actually made um independence hall look you know kind of pretty in red white and blue the problem was when the cameras came close up during the speech you could only see the red and that gave you know the the republicans and the conservatives uh, an endless amount of memes that you'll never see the end of where with the red and black you know it looked very um like star wars or or even satanic um, um but if again if you if you if the, it was a broad, wide camera angle it was kind of a cute little thing but somebody didn't think about when the camera comes in during the speech you're not going to see the white and the blue and so um i think and 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 the weirdest thing about the whole thing because obviously and i i should i should say obviously but obvious to you and me biden did not write this speech he just read whatever was on the teleprompter yeah. but the next day in the, uh you know peter ducey asked him i think it was peter ducey asked him so you're saying that You know, um, all Republicans or all Trump voters, you know, are a threat to democracy. And he said, "No, I don't think any Trump voters are a threat to democracy." So he kind of contradicted himself the next day. And then a tweet went out. I'm sure it was pre-scheduled from the White House a couple hours later, saying that MAGA Republicans are a threat to democracy. And so, you know, everything with Joe Biden is a little bit of a, you know, a mystery wrapped in an enigma. You know, in terms of messaging, but I think um, for for a candidate who ran on unity. For a candidate who promised unity in his inaugural address, um, this was one of the least unifying speeches, I think, that has ever been given by any president in the history of our country. And I don't say that lightly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and as a quick aside, like all, Trump was also, like a couple days later, was also in Pennsylvania. They're meaning to bolster the Senate candidate, Republican Senate candidate Mehmet Oz, someone who Trump chose himself. Um, I don't want to criticize because i still want him to win but um you know he's not as weak as herschel
1: uh, walker in georgia but still a weak <laughs> candidate
0: and i wish i wish president trump would have used that opportunity to like keep pressure on biden and talk about inflation and talk about gas prices the giveaway on student loans the radical covid restrictions instead you he, know he's he spent an hour talking about the 2020 election and hillary clinton and <laughs> the fbi and uh i'm like We're in trouble there. We need help. He's a one-trick pony. All right. That's all the time we got.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Corey. We'll see you next week. See you next week.